two, one, zero. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Loose Ends Podcast. This is episode number three, and it is Wednesday. We're recording this a day after we usually do um, because of reasons we'll get into later. But uh, so what are you doing this weekend, Spencer? Um, I'm actually traveling up to Joshua Tree with me, my dad, and my brother, and our cousins. We all just got, or my dad and my uncle got new Jeeps That's recently. Sick. Sick. So they want to test them out, get them dirty. So my question for you is, what's the landscape of Joshua Tree? Because I know there's other places, like if you go to Moab, it's really intense. Like you get stickers on the back of your Jeep, actually, if you pass these really, really intense trails. So it is a landscape, like what's what's that like? Is it more just, you just putt around or what? Uh, it's definitely more in the putt around type. It's definitely not anywhere close to Moab because Moab is very intense. You see insane looking rigs and all that kind of stuff. It's more just like, I w- it's not completely flat, but it's still definitely not anywhere close to Moab. Well, the thing about Moab, people lose their lives out there. Oh yeah, it's like, super it's dangerous. Intense. I've never seen it, but I mean, I've seen clips and videos and um, places in Utah in general. It's just the most phenomenal places to Jeep in the country, but one thing that is always a concern and this i i was on the border between it, it was like nevada and utah um and we weren't jeeping but we were in lake powell uh-huh. if you know about lake powell and just that area gets the most ridiculous weather i've ever seen it's so unpredictable right we'll be in the middle of our day and we just see dark clouds coming and we have about 20 minutes to get from wherever we are to the dock or else we you know have the fear of getting hit by water spout we'll literally be going as fast as we can back to the dock yeah and we'll just see a massive water spout somewhere else it's utah weather is so unpredictable yeah for sure there's a guy i saw on youtube his whole job is towing and fixing people's rigs in moab what's it wait what's his name isn't it it's um, like trail mater i think I, but there's so many different people that do recovery stuff. There's a guy, his name is, I think it's Matt's Off-Road Recovery. Yes, I've seen that too. Yeah. It, he always starts off, I think he's the guy that starts off his videos with, so I got a call. Yeah, it's super like, just straight to the point. There's no intro, no anything. But that's it, like, that's needed. People get, you know, get, everybody just gets stuck. It's, yeah. it's whatever. But the weather, I just remember it's so intense. Um, when I was there, we went through this, um, little canyon it was called antelope canyon it was right next to lake powell where we were and you just go off you know the skirts a little bit yeah. everything out there is just it's red rock that's all it is i know it looks and it looks amazing so you have no way of knowing that there um you have no way of knowing that you know there's a canyon out there it's just yeah. literally like a, a crevice in the ground but when we went through we took us we took our tour the day after we were there um, we are, we are on the water and this weather started, this intense weather started coming in. And so we had to get off. We were, we were on our way out. And then we, if you looked, we looked to our left. I have no idea east, west, south, north, which way we were heading. But all I know is we were heading to the deck or the dock. Sorry. We look left and we see a massive water spout over the same area that Antelope Canyon is. And it turned out that people actually passed away. Really? That, in that day. same one? Because the water comes in and just floods, right? It comes in like 30 miles an hour. And it's super, super dangerous. What What's a water spout? Is that just like heavy rain or is that like the 
tornado on the water. I think it's more of a tornado on the water, but um, it, it's definitely a real threat. Unlike you know what happened to us yesterday, right? Yeah, I mean that was crazy. We were we were heading to lunch, and everyone's phones just started going off with the Amber Alerts. It was it was really high pitched. The thing is, is at our school, everybody without fail has the same lunchtime, at least for junior high and high school. Um, and so we were all on the walk from wherever we were down to the lunch area, which all just so happened to be in the same building. And we, all of our phones went off at the exact same time. And it, you can remember just looking around and seeing everybody, nobody really panicked. There were kids like fake panicking, but like, ah, danger, like annoying, like little kids that were like trying to be funny, but like. Nothing it, it very serious. Was, nobody, was nobody happening. took it seriously. And truth of the matter, though, was a little bit closer to the coast and on the beach itself. If you go to Coronado in San Diego, Coronado National City, that area, you can actually see videos of tornadoes kind of forming in the sky. Wait, so our we got that warning all the way in El Cajon just for Coronado? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure. It's something about, you know, air pressure and what's oh, going yeah. on. It could happen anywhere else, but don't you think that a tornado would mess Coronado up? I don't think it would take so long for them to, for them to recover from that because it's such a small, like, island for Think that. about it. Like, think about what would happen if the bridge got hit and the only way off the island, it would be the Silver Strand at that point. Yeah, that's a far way to go around, too. I, I've never taken the Silver Strand, have you? Uh, I have not, just because it's usually way easier just to go over the bridge. I never even think about the Silver Strand, to be honest. But um, yeah, just it was really scary. But to it was to see that video was scary. But once we were there in the moment, everybody was kind of like, we we, we were not Curious. really perceiving it as a threat, though. If that made yeah. sense, nobody was really worried. It was it was, if anything, I appreciated the time because it, I can look back on it now, and we're gonna be able to look back and think more fondly on it. Yeah, the only, like, the funny thing is everyone was excited that we got to miss our class after right. because we're they're keeping us in this safe area. But I was one of the only few that I didn't even have a class, so I was excited to finally go home and, like, yeah. just chill. So I was just stuck there in the cafe with no lunch because I was planning on just eating at home. But, I mean, yeah. it is what it is. I wasn't, uh, we couldn't film because, you know, I was told to stay where I was. Don't, don't go. And then uh, eventually time just got away from us. So now we're here on a Wednesday. It is, it is at Christian high school. Wednesday is almost the day of the Lord. We have chapel. And then later in the evening, we all had to youth group and get it, get our worship on. Yeah. Today's a big day. Cause it's a sign up for the annual river trip that happens every year at our school, which is, or I mean our church where, School slash church, same thing. But um, we all go to the river, and then we have tubing, we have worship, we have uh, individual time of reading. It's it's really just a good time. To be honest, river trip in the first, like, five hours, maybe even less, it always separates the weak from the strong. Think about it. There are, once you pull up on that bus, we pull up on this bus in the middle of nowhere, Blythe, California. I don't. We don't even cross the border to Arizona. No, it's right there. It's right there. Yeah, 
but um, we land there and we go off farmland as far as the eye can see. And then once we reach a couple of, we reach trees right next to where the river is. And so within the first couple hours when the buses pull up, that's when, you know, if any kid is going to have an issue, like roll an ankle or anything like that, it always happens. A kid broke his collarbone one, like 10 seconds from getting off the bus. Do you remember that? Last year? I do. I didn't, to be honest, our bus, we, so there were huge charter buses and then there were Shadow Mountain, you know, trolley buses, which they used to get people from the other, um, the, the parking lot campus that they use as overflow. And we were in one of those and we so go you weren't even there. So I didn't even get, I didn't even pull up until he had, um, actually gotten injured and until I saw him on the sidelines of grass volleyball, just kind of yeah. hanging out. I, I'm pretty sure he was, I don't fully remember what was happening, but I think he was trying to do a backflip on in volleyball. Flat. Was it in volleyball? It was in the middle of grass volleyball. He tried to like do like a weird soccer kick because he's really good at soccer, I uh-huh. think. And that's guy, so embarrassing. His mom guy. had to come out the first 10 seconds of us being there. His dad's a doctor. Really? Didn't he, did he stay the next day? I think he left. I don't really recall, but then um, those that weren't hydrated, dude, we had access to water was super easy. There was always a huge orange thing of powdered Gatorade. They would throw the powder and we'd watch it happen. And then there was um, water that you could get as well. And even though we had a lot of, there was fluid everywhere. Yeah. People within the first couple hours either got their heat exhaustion already. But it was like 104 100, degrees, 100, I believe. It was, you're 104. You it, was, it was so hot. And it's hard. Like you, When you're being a kid, you just want to go. And you don't think about drinking water. So a lot of kids, like he, you, like you said, I think one kid went to the hospital because he was so dehydrated, had to get like an IV. Right. What, was it like an actual legit IV or was it liquid? Uh, I think it was legit. Oh wow! Was that? Did they have, did they have IVs on the campus? No, they had to go to the nearest hospital. I'm gonna say but. it was probably the most memorable weekend of the the school year. But the only thing about River Trip is a lot of um, sports get in the way. Yeah. So like so the swim team, where we go, um, they they them and track a lot of the time compete on the weekends and in order to make the drive all the way from Southern California um, towards the coast to what essentially is the border between Arizona and California they have to get up at around 2 a.m. and then all of a sudden you wake up one morning and they're there oh I remember that that was just getting out of our tent and then they were just it's kind of like they were standing there yeah I don't know where they came from I think they had a, a meet the day we got there so right after that meet, they came. Or maybe the next morning after. I'm not sure. But they definitely did like just show up. The day of school is always so... Um, if you if you go to school the day everybody leaves for River Trip, it is, it's eerie. Really? It's, it's all this space, no kids. Because everybody wants to go to River Trip. Yeah, right? everyone wants to feel included. It's super exciting. Um... But yeah, no, the feeling to, the feeling to be included is so major, as you just said, the feeling to be included is so major right now. Yeah. Don't you think that's how things are going? Yeah. I mean, body? especially underclassmen and stuff too. Like no one really thinks of it as you get older, 
I mean, there's always people that still do that, like, are more immature and think about what everyone thinks. But me personally, as I've gotten older, and it's also faith, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you just got to learn that, like, no one really, like, no one looks back in time and looks at your hair was wrong that or right. was weird that day. They only think of the good things. Right. Or the really bad things if if you're if actually way. genuinely but, responsible for doing yes, something wrong. But no one looks at, like, the little things that... Like, oh, they wore this this one day. No one thinks about that. They only think about, like, what your actions were and how you acted in those, situ- like, situations. The the way that people remember the way you genuinely make them feel, the way you treat them. Yes, that's... And growing in your faith, it's so exciting to see how little you actually care what other people think. Yeah, it's it's a huge thing. Like I said, it's just, like, it comes with age. For I, sure. Yeah, and then, you know, the peak of that... Um, scientifically, the peak of when you care the least about people is around 75 is what I saw. That's when you age, age you, you just do not care. Well, yeah, but all old people just do whatever they want. But yeah, I agree. But, um, you know, the, the need is, is really, is really prevalent around the beginning of the year, I'd say. And then it kind of like slowly fades out as we go. But river trip is kind of one of those things where, there's moments where just everybody is able to come together and shout out you signups are tonight, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I believe it's live at nine or something. I don't know, but I will, I will be going home by then. Yeah. I am not going to sign up. Sorry, pastor grant. I'm going home during that time. Speaking of pastor grant, we definitely got to try to get him on this. Calling him out. I wonder if he's listened in on this. Probably not. We'll see if he, talks to us about hopping on this but he's he's super full of wisdom he's a um he's an amazing pastor for you look up our high schoolers those who you don't know look up pastor grant todd he's a shadow mountain high school ministry pastor and he is probably the best at it let's be honest here yeah he's really amazing and um i'm, I'm gonna send him i'm gonna send him an episode see what happens send him an episode of the pod I, he knows he knows we he knows we exist we both started podcasts at the same time only his is probably slightly better than ours so this this past weekend i watched an interview on um it was a podcast i forgot his name is sean sean something but I, i'll i'll say his name later because um i actually forgot but it was a World War II veteran, and he was 98 years old. He was the only surviving flamethrower. This is the Sean Ryan Flame show. Thrower. Sean Ryan. This is a Sean Ryan show. Now that I'm remembering, and he had, he had the only surviving flamethrower from his unit in Iwo Jima, the Battle of Iwo Jima against the Japanese really? in World War II. So he's the only surviving one from his company. Like, I'm not talking about how they all survive the war and then slowly but surely they pass away as they get older and he just so happens to be the only one left. I'm talking about he's the only flamethrower that walked away from the battle, survived. Out of how many, do you know? I I don't know. Uh, He was in a company of over 250 men. I think it was like 255 men and 18 in general survived. What's the job of the flamethrower guy? Okay, what's so he do? the way this gentleman described it, and I consider World War II veterans to probably be the real heroes of the world. Yeah, that we should we should all 
before they pass away, just um, just take in all the wisdom that they provide. Anyways, World War II flamethrowers had one job, and that was to go in wherever there was um, a room, and wherever it's like, let's say there's Japanese chapped in a, in a cave. Yeah. His job is to go into the cave dark and whoosh. He says, the 98-year-old man says, whoosh. And the reason he says that is it's the action of not holding down the flamethrower because he says in about 15 seconds of you holding down the flamethrower, the um, the trigger, you're empty. You have five oh, really? gallons. You have two and a half gallons on one side, two and a half gallons on the other, and then you have a pressure tank in the middle. And the way that you sustain yourself as a flamethrower is you do short little spurts of fire. So as you go through a cave, you do you do a couple little bursts yeah. to get um, you know, to clean out the room. And turns out flamethrowers in World War II, specifically at the Battle of Iwo Jima, had a life expectancy of four minutes on the battlefield. Wow. Because they were, were they just picked off? Because they, they are super easy. They were the first to die. Imagine getting shot in the tank, it blows up. Oh yeah, you're right. I mean, imagine just being on the opposite side of that. Imagine like, this guy with this huge flamethrower is walking towards you. That that'd be so scary. But the the scary thing is, these were like kids our age, yeah. going being sent overseas. They were like 16, 17, 18. 16 was pushing it. A lot of kids back then tried to enlist in the army in World War Two at the age of 16 and they were kind of pushed off until they were 17 or whatnot they needed you know parents approval and everything but yeah that's a very real reality and it could happen again yeah definitely especially with how the world's going with russia ukraine now like israel and Hamas so and stuff. what do you think do you think that we should and america should be involved but here's the way i see it Israel and the Middle East, they have been at war for thousands of years. They've always been at war. Yeah. I mean, Israel has to be at war to fulfill the prophecy, the prophecy of God, the prophecy. too. prophecy. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, everything has to happen for a reason. And I'm pretty sure every, I believe it says every nation fails, too. Or am I just making that up? Or I feel like I remember there's something, probably something, there's something probably saying something. that. But the truth is Israel has has to in the Bible is going to occupy the land around it. Yeah. It's not just going to be this small little strip of land. It is going to eventually take over all of the countries around it. So if you look at it, it's got to happen. But if you're the United States, there's no way that we should be sending all of our young men over there. Yeah. I don't. And women now too. Yeah. I just, I just don't think that's the right move. Yeah. But the, I guess America over the last 20, 30 years, longer than that has just been super interventionalist in what the rest of the world is doing and it's, yeah. it's not a good idea i don't know it's just it's just you kind of got to play your cards right you can't just rush in right away because mm-hmm. that's what causes more problems and makes you more prone to other enemies too mm-hmm. so you kind of just gotta either f- you can't fully push in but you can't fully lay back it's kind of like a if you see something wrong going then you feel like we, we should do something about it type thing yes and no because I mean, we learned about, uh, who was it? Um, I think it was Italy. We gave Italy weapons, but we can't, we couldn't fully send troops because then that would be full involvement. Yeah. When was this? Oh, I don't fully remember, but it's probably world war one. It might've been world war one because you know, we were, we were not 
friends with the Italians in World War II. They were um, they were part of the Axis powers. It might not have been Italy then, but you know what I mean. Uh, you know we, what I'm we saying. We were funding Britain and France, and in World War One, we were funding we were funding Britain and France, and we were pushed into the war because you know things like unregulated yeah. submarine warfare. But do you remember? about like hearing about this in history it's more recent but like 2003 iraq war stuff like that uh say again what so do you remember 2003 that era not after 9-11 when the united states invaded iraq oh yeah that was crazy it was just like that was after 9-11 like yeah, after, right after the twin towers it was, it was right after the twin towers fell um 2001 as soon as um 9-11 happened pretty much we invaded Afghanistan, and then it wasn't until two years later where we invaded Iraq, where Saddam Hussein was. Oh yeah, didn't didn't our history teacher say something about we shouldn't have rushed in to? Um, oh, maybe that's what I was thinking of. France asked us for help in World War One, and yeah, and then they totally backed out, and then it kind of like sparked us into being into it. I'm saying this super badly, but there there are a lot of there are a lot of things happening. Yeah. But, one of the main things in World War One, not Iraq War, but World War One, was that Germany had actually threatened us. And there's a theory that during World War One, it wasn't actually the Germans who created the Zimmerman Telegram. And the Zimmerman te- te- Telegram is supposed to be the main reason that the United States entered World War One. Yeah. So the Zimmerman Telegram was essentially. Germany telling Mexico to invade the United States and take portions of it. But there's a theory that goes Great Britain at the same time created that because there, there was a because the truth is, or as the way history goes right now, that Britain had received the Zimmerman telegram and held on to it for a month, at least a month. Uh huh. So there's a theory that Great Britain actually itself made the telegram to get us to involved. convince the United States to join World War One with a fake perceived threat. Where did you hear that from? Because that's that's a crazy conspiracy. I'm not sure the source, but I mean it, that would kind of make sense because we allied with Britain and they wanted more help. We were already supporting them. Yes, they wanted full involvement from the United States in the war. We wouldn't give it. Yeah. We were still trading with Germany, even though we threatened not to. And so that was like essentially the tipping point of us joining the war was the telegram. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it would make sense. Yeah. Right? Just just people lying and, you know, lies have gotten us into war recently too. I mean, the Iraq war was off of a lie. You might not remember this, but George W. Bush said in Iraq that there were weapons of mass destruction. He, he, he said Iraq had nukes. And so uh, thousands of people ended up being sent over to Iraq to fight in a war that was probably over oil. Yeah. Good thing it didn't really come out of that. Now, if you look at it, Iraq is being beaten up by the rest of the Middle East, and there's a huge vacuum there. Yeah, it didn't help us at all. It used to be secure. He was a guy that he was a guy that killed um, terrorists. It's true. He was a, he was he was a bad guy though. He was oh, really? a horrible guy. But he Saddam Hussein did at the same time kill terrorists. So I think that generation and all the generations before that of men that fought for America were a lot tougher, a lot different. Okay, I have a question for you. So if we got in a world war tomorrow, how do you think our generation would look at that? Like, how do you think like the younger kids would deal with that? To be fair, 
I believe that there are a lot of boys our age in the Bible Belt. I'm talking like Arkansas, Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, states like that. You know, the Bible Belt is, is, is a large portion of the South. I believe that they would probably end showing up and being the, the guys that really stand up for our country. What about like, you know how like everyone says Gen Z is only addicted to their phone and like like weak and like all this kind of stuff compared to other generations? Mm-hmm. And like that way, what do you think? Like without for, having Wi-Fi? Well, for the large part, most of most of this generation would not be capable of defending United States, like you're seeing right now, the United States is struggling to get people to enlist. Like they're yeah. really struggling with recruiting. So that that's a product of it is this the generation that's now becoming young young adults, which is Generation Z. And so yeah, you're you're right. Those problems are big. Yeah, I know. I just I just don't think with how everyone can choose what they want to be and stuff. There's so many ways of being out of it. I feel like like you know how when they sent out in for world war ii they're like for people to enlist like you were kind of forced to if you were 18 or older right, there was I a, believe. there was a draft oh the, draft the, 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 the famous word. one was the vietnam war draft where like a, a ton of high school aged guys were recruited and forced to go fight overseas yeah i i just don't think if they did a draft there would be so many people trying to get out of it just because like I feel like our most kids would be draft dodgers. They're not, you know, you yes. don't think that they have the patriotism to want to protect the United States. Yes. is what you're trying to say. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I just feel like our generation has a fear of commitment, mm-hmm. and I just don't think that they could fully commit to, like, accepting that they're going to be in this war. If that makes sense, they have too much fear, not enough pride, to, and yeah, not enough to want to support and protect their country. Yeah, they don't have like any drive for that. No, you're completely right. It would happen, like. The generations that came before were just tougher. They were yeah. tougher. They 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 took punches. Like they they worked hard. They um they had different lives than we do. And you know, especially because a lot of kids nowadays are are they're kind of wrapped wrapped in bubble wrap by yeah, even their everything's kind of handed to them too. But um, you know, just be able to take a hit and feel real pain is a big deal. You. You can take pain. I know you have. You crashed on. You crashed on. You know everything that that I could name that a kid can ride. You crashed on it. Yeah. So I just want to. I do want to hear more about that though. Um. Well, actually, I have a story. When I got my first dirt bike, so I was. I believe we were having a garage sale at my house. Okay. How long ago was this? I was. I want to say maybe six. Six. You got your first dirt bike at six. It was a fifty. You could have been a prodigy. All six year olds, all six years old, could have. All six keyword could have. Hey, all six year olds are gonna start on a fifty. Yeah, starting at six is a good age. But okay, so my uncle comes to our house with two, two red Honda fifties. Oh, so I was like, those look awesome, and my dad told me that he bought one of them for I believe two hundred dollars, which is a insane steel i wanted one of those so bad when i was a kid like literally the red you know the red honda 50 yep so when i was six i sat on one in a dealership and i used to every time i'd go visit i would sit on that motorcycle i had my picture taken with it because i wanted a red 50 and i'm mad that you got one <laughs> that's hilarious but okay so my dad told me we got it 
and it took us i mean it was 200 dollars, so there was something definitely a little bit wrong with it okay i think all we had to do was clean the carb which is usually okay. a big problem for like all that kind of stuff so we fixed that up we built this little track in our backyard mm-hmm. which had this berm that would go up it would actually it was at a pretty high angle so we built it where it would go up high and while it was still curving to the go to a straightaway i as a little kid don't really know what i'm doing i fully pin it i'm going up this berm and then i turn the wheel too hard and i hit this log and i fully flip and land in this bush you endoed i fully endoed yeah and i just like was like i was like yelling and stuff to like my dad to help me because i i couldn't move i was like wait you were stuck under i was in this bush with like i think something was over my leg but i mean Nothing. I wasn't injured. Little Spencer in a bush. It was, it was so, pretty funny though. So you were. It's just like a turn, and it's, it's going slightly uphill, and then it had. It's going. You're going straight. You go uphill, and at the top of the hills, there's a turn, sharp turn. Yes. So did you? So you were in the in the process of turning, and did you know that there was a log on the other side? Was that your first lap or whatever? So the log wasn't in the actual way. Mm-hmm. It was because I turned too hard that oh. I hit that. So, it wasn't. I mean, it was totally my fault, but it wasn't the track's fault. For no sure. tears. No tears, right? No tears. No tears. But, I mean, I just, I love that kind of stuff. I wish I could have gotten more into it, but, those, like, being into that, that, that expensive. stuff Wait. is expensive. It's If you're going to be the top um, in the nation, and that's how, you have to be the top in the nation for stuff to become free. Yeah. Like, if you're mediocre... And you don't get anything. You go to all the same races as the top kids in that sport in motocross. You go to all the same races as the top kids. You um, spend all the same money as they would, but they get sponsors, obviously. Yeah. You're the one that gets just, you take the L on that. Yeah. I mean, most of those kids that start off young with rich parents, mm-hmm. like profiting or not profiting, giving them money for it. That's the prodigies. It's the parents' hobby. Yes. And then the kids get into it. But sacrifices in the sport of supercross and motocross, once you start racing dirt bikes, is insane. The sacrifice. So do you, do you recall Ryan Villapoto? Uh, it sounds familiar, but we not were, fully. We were kids when he retired. So we were about seven. Um, he retired from supercross in 2014. And he's supposed to be the second greatest motocross rider of all time behind the goat as they call him ricky a guy named ricky carmichael okay yeah and ryan villapoto won supercross four times in a row and when he had just won his second and he was going on his third year attempting to defend the title again he had a cbs special done on him um so this was like a documentary of his life his family was homeless Really? He was homeless. In his developing years, when he started becoming a young teen, up to what well, he went pro at 16, they were homeless. He, his dad built a house, and as soon as the house was finished built, they had to sell the entire house really? for $350,000 or whatever it was back then, and they spent all of that money racing. Wow. Why these kids don't have a choice? Yeah, I mean, you better hope and pray that that kid succeeds. Because if not, you're 
you're, you're done. done. You're done. That's the way it is. Either you're all in, the entire family, regardless of if the kids have other things going on, um, no matter, regardless of where the parents work, it's all in. Yeah. No more work. I think it's kind of funny, those parents that the little kids playing t-ball and their parents like taking it so seriously. They're like traveling. Yeah, travel states. ball and all that stuff. They think that their kid's going to be next like MLB superstar or whatever sport they're playing. I just think it's so funny how like the uh, it's mostly dads, but it's that can like be, that can be damaging to kids, really. Yeah, it can it can hurt to um, see they can hurt the kids when their parents are that intense about things. Like I remember I played t-ball, and some of the parents were so intense, arguing with umpires on every single call. Yeah, they're ruthless. We we're five, we we're five years old, and there was a parent. Who I remember this vividly. He was he got kicked out of every single game in my little league season. That I was crazy. in T ball. There was one parent that got kicked out of every single game because he would argue with all the calls. That's okay. I actually have a crazy T ball story. So I was I was playing T ball at the time, but I my brother actually had a game going on next to what happened. So this one kid most kids have like um, big league chew or like gum and yeah, stuff in their mouths. The big tubs, right? This one kid swallowed his gum and he couldn't breathe. Was it just one stick or it had to I, be I don't that, right? fully know. But okay. this, so my brother's game is happening on the left. Okay. There's two fields right next to each other. Okay. This kid, uh, what happened was on the right field. So this kid started like choking, kind of. So everyone rushed out there. I'm pretty sure at the end, he got. Like, to save his life, he had his throat, like, cut open to... Cut open. To get rid of the to gum to save his life. Did you know what was going on when it was happening, or were you just kind of confused that all the parents are running over something? I was, I was confused, because I was... This is T-Ball, and I was two years younger than my brother. So this was kind of the same age group. So he, was he about... Was he seven? Were you five? How old were you? I was probably, like, five-ish. Okay. So, I, I mean, at that age, I'm not fully understanding what's happening, but I remember kind of... Like, not fully recently, but a while back, I was like, what happened there? Mm -hmm. So my parents kind of had to tell me because, I mean, at that age, you're not knowing what's happening in the world. Did you play at Rios Canyon? No, it was actually Alpine. Oh, Alpine. Alpine was a good league. Yeah, was Alpine fun. was a sick league. But, um, yeah, no, it, like parents, especially with allergies, a strategy and a method they use to get the kid to breathe is they will literally poke a hole in their throat. Maybe that's what it was. No, you can you can get a pen. Like, let's say, let's say I'm allergic to clam chowder because odd fish, fish, but all right. And I eat it in a restaurant and I don't know, you know what it is. Yeah. The moment my throat starts swelling up and I can't breathe, sometimes they'll have to retreat to grabbing a pen and literally poking a hole in my Does throat. that not make you like inhale like blood then? I'm not sure. I don't think so. You have to do it in the right spot. Huh. I'm pretty sure it's below the Adam's apple. It's below the Adam's apple in that area between the Adam's apple and the collarbone. I could I could be completely wrong. Yeah. And I'm telling you guys all false. I don't know problems. if I would trust any parent poking a hole in my throat with a pen. But what I do know is that it actually does work. I mean, if it saves my life, I would probably accept it. But people have done it. People I know have actually done it when um you know their child was their child was choking. It, there's nothing scarier than when you're about to choke. Oh, it's like every your heart just drops, and it's it, it's harder than you think to choke. I think it's a little bit harder than you think because um, every little 
close call that I've had, I just I'm just able to cough. Yeah. Or swallow a little bit harder, and everything is fine. But um, so you were told what happened at the Little League field afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I understood that something bad was happening because parents from the stands were rushing onto the field. Mm-hmm. But I didn't fully understand that that kid could have definitely died. Those were good times. I remember. Do you remember back when in elementary school? This is now. It's been almost ten, like ten years. Since I was in like first grade, yeah, that's crazy. Ten years. Around that time, do you recall all the game trucks? What do you, you mean by game, game trucks? trucks? Oh, game trucks. Yes, game birthday trucks. parties. Those Birth- were crazy. Birthday party game trucks where they pulled up in the kids' driveway, and it was like a huge semi truck with air conditioner and all the video games, and you could every video game you could ever want. Those were the coolest kids on campus that had game trucks for their birthday parties and it was back on the day where you were at a you were at a game or no, sorry game huh. back in the day where you the entire class that you were in got to go to a game shock and every year at the beginning of little league i did it tw- twice but I really know that they kept doing this for opening day they always used to buy a game truck and i didn't spend that much time in it because my parents you know would tell me they're like hey other kids want to play blah 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 and I didn't end up not going in the game truck, but we used you know so you remember Jogathon, um, yeah, those fundraisers during elementary elementary school. So aside from going to birthday parties and aside from little league baseball, the only other time during the year where we would actually be able to go, this was the only time it was ever consistently happening, is every year there would be a game truck in elementary school for those who raised enough money, and I'm not kidding you. You'd have to raise raise hundreds hundreds of dollars for fifteen minutes. That is such a scam. Fifteen minutes. I remember we got fifteen minutes, and the last year they did it. Um, it it took so long to get everything ready, and the truck wasn't working that we didn't even get to play the games. We just got in the truck. It was it was it was weird, but game trucks were memorable. Yeah. Sure. The, the only thing I don't like about the jogathon and stuff was there's always these like kids that had a lot of money in their families yeah and they always got all these like amazing prizes because it, it was all on how much you brought right or i mean sometimes it was get your name out of a hat raffles, but, like raffles get your name it like get your name in a hat for bringing money but still those kids that bring a bunch of money get their name in a bunch of times at least with that other from the raffle if you do the un, you know pay money to get prizes on that like it's basically like a battle pass where you have to get a certain amount of money and then you unlock this prize and then blah 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 you keep going oh yeah at least you're walking away with something but when it's all um oops when it's oh, spill my water when it's all raffle you could walk away with nothing oh yeah for sure i remember yeah i did that my 5th grade year i got like 10 tickets and I threw it all in the Xbox one um, jar through. I wanted the Xbox one. I'm like, I'm going to get that Minecraft theme Xbox one. And I lost and I saw, I remember the face of the kid that won and he didn't even look excited. I was so mad. <laughs> it's always funny how like as a kid, little prizes now look so amazing. It like, meant so much. And I'm not saying the Xbox is like the Xbox is actually a huge prize. But usually it's funny, like, you go to, like, boomers, per se, and then there's all these, like, like uh, prizes that you can win for how many tickets you get. Right. 
you can have like you can spend like forty dollars and get a thousand tickets and a thousand tickets gives you a bounty ball no that's facts like those i just don't understand like there's no way to do any or get anything good in those places remember sixty thousand tickets and you get a, a gopro yeah no one's ever getting the gopro did you ever play with the claw machines i i used to or i mean i didn't usually because my parents always told me they were kind of scams which they definitely oh, they absolutely are. are. I've but, never won anything on a claw machine. There was a kid I knew. This kid was famous at our school. Uh, this was in junior high. And every year, um, it was only 6th and 7th grade because 8th grade you know, had COVID and whatnot. But we would go to this bowling alley slash like, fun indoor park. And there was always a kid that won the claw almost every single time. And that kid was famous. He would win the stuffed animals stuff like that i just don't know how like anyone can be skilled at that is it skill or do you think it's luck i mean if you say he got it every time i'd say there's definitely a little bit of skill there's there's unlucky people out there and then there's really lucky people um i don't know anybody that's super lucky right now yeah i mean either i would i would literally say their name on the podcast even though it's something i'm very against I i would literally say their name on the podcast because it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I'm not too lucky, though. All right. This has been a great podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening. And to wrap it up, I just want to talk a little bit about... So, yeah, to wrap it up, you are on day 28 of your Bible in a Year plan, and I'm dying to figure out how this week has gone for you. Yeah, it's actually been going really good. It just being in the Word consistently is such a praise. Um, a good verse that stood out to me is, um, you read Psalm 62, one through two. Is that right? Oh yeah. That's what it was. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. This just like this helped me just like realize how powerful he is and how like weak I am and how I just need him. Because, I mean, yeah. life will shake you up. Well, what the rock is supposed to represent is something that's, he's unchanging. He's solid. He's a solidified. He's yeah. solidified. And so it, it's always nice to have something to lean on because regardless of what you put your faith in or regardless of what you, you know, rely on in life, everything secular, um, outside of God, even people, your pastor can let you down. You can be let down by anything except for God. And well, that's why we call him our rock, because he is the key to eternal life. And he's the only thing that we can rely on without being let down. Yeah, that's crazy, because that's actually something that um, our pastor has been talking about recently at church is just saying the world will let you down. The world will always have a chance to let you down. Mm-hmm. But God is always strong in his promises, promises, and he will never like. Uh, forsake you it's just it's just amazing just remember to everyone listening right now god's promise which we can hold them to is the gift of eternal life and you know what the 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 idea of salvation and being saved your life will not just become easier the promise of being rich being famous having material gain or having even being married things like that having a family those are not the promises 
of the gospel, the promises of winning a championship in sports, regardless of your sport. Those are not the promises yeah. of the gospel. Those are all just blessings on on the road of your trip of life. Right. And you need to be able to be completely fine with having none of it. And that's very hard. It comes with time. I'm not even there. Yeah. But eventually in your walk with Christ, once you get further and further, you'll realize that if you just had the favor of one and that's God, you can do anything. The things of the world will seriously, seriously let you down. And there's no promise to have a a happy life. There's no promise for freedom. The apostle Paul himself lived a life full of persecution and was in and out of jail. So just to remember that there is no promise and we should be fine with even dying for our faith. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great spot to end on episode three. Be sure to listen in next week for episode four. Yep. Stay tuned and we'll see you guys later.